Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God is the most important thing about you. Just kick that around a second in your head. You can even disagree. But according to A.W. Tozer, this isn't the Bible. This is just a dude that thinks this. He could be wrong. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, if we want to take this a step further here tonight, and maybe you're not of the persuasion that Jesus is God. But let's just say for a second, he is. He's God. Jesus is God. And we take Tozer's statement about God, and we apply it to Jesus, because if Jesus is God... What we think about Jesus is one of the most important things about us. What we think about Jesus is one of the most important things about us. Don't answer this question out loud, but do answer this question in your head right now. What do you think? about Jesus. What comes to your mind when you think about Jesus? And I think depending on who you are, depending on how you were raised, depending on your understanding of the Bible, of God, we have lots of different things that maybe come to our mind about the person of Jesus, and all kinds of people in the world have lots of different opinions about this person named Jesus. Matter of fact, there's lots of different religions that have different ideas about the person of Jesus. C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, along with a lot of different other books, said that Jesus was either a liar, he was stark raving mad, and he was a lunatic, Or was actually who he said he was, and he was Lord. Jesus said some pretty wild things about himself. He made some crazy claims about himself. So when you have to jump off the fence right now, in this moment, in your own head, and answer the question, what comes to your mind when you think about Jesus? What's the answer to that question in your your head? Maybe you get this picture of Jesus, meek and mild, holding the sheep like in the pictures and petting it. Most of us get a picture of Jesus as a white dude with luscious long locks. Which, hate to break the little, hate to break your bubble, but Jesus probably wasn't white. Just putting that out there. Some of us have a hard time Like, 
Jesus for us is the escape from the God of the Old Testament. We're like, man, just get me to the Jesus part, right? Some of us, maybe you question, well, I see that God, Jesus is fully man, but was he really fully God? Or maybe you're like, I think Jesus was fully God, but was he really truly fully man? Or maybe you struggle with the contrast of like, I see Jesus being so loving and so caring and so gracious. But you don't maybe see the truth that's in Christ. Or maybe you think of Jesus like my friend from that I saw the post last week, and you think that he's just this condemning person, that his standards that are way too high, that's that harsh master. Maybe that's your opinion of Jesus. Or maybe at best, you think that he's absolute perfection, and I'm absolute imperfection, and so I don't want to really go to church I don't really want to come in contact with Christians because every time I do, I'm reminded of my imperfections. So, and that's not a very fun, fun job. Maybe, maybe that's what you think about when you think about Jesus. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Jesus is not Jesus, it's you. You and all your brokenness, you and all your hurts, you and all your imperfections because you think that God is, Jesus is perfect, but you quickly realize, man, I'm not. So maybe that's it for you and you feel this incredible separation between you and God. So, who is this Jesus? Culture paints Jesus in lots of different ways. And we're guilty in our culture of making God in our own image. We make a Jesus that we want. If we want to live the lifestyle that we want to live, we make a Jesus who says, you can do whatever you want, I'll always love you. Is that your Jesus? We're guilty of making a God in our own image. But here is the deal. Do we really get to define who God is? The Bible actually teaches us and reveals to us who this God is. And tonight we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with a woman from John chapter 4. Here we go. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out now in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? 
I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? 
I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Your water! You forgot your um. Foxy, your man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> um, Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah. I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? So that was John chapter 4 depicted for you all. What an incredible encounter the woman at the well had. The Samaritan woman, this woman with the person of Jesus. And I think these encounters like this that are found throughout the Gospels really reveal to us who is this Jesus. And the first thing that I think about John chapter 4 in particular that is revealed to us is that Jesus was truly fully human. Just like you and I. He was fully human. You know, John's gospel focuses a lot on the fact that Jesus was God. I mean, you read John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. And who is the Word? Jesus. So if the Word was God, Jesus was what? God. But we also believe the scriptures also teach that Jesus wasn't just fully God, he was also fully man. And John's objective in the Gospel of John was to help people to see that he was the Son of God and that by believing in the Son of God, you might have life in his name. That was literally the purpose of the Gospel of John. But here we have in John chapter 4, not just a revelation of the deity, the godness of Jesus, but the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was a human being. The Bible says, if you read in John chapter 4, the Bible says that he was weary from his travels. And he asked this girl for a drink. So guess what else he was? He was thirsty. He was weary from his travels and he was thirsty. How many of us humans, we get weary and we get thirsty? And I've been to this well in Israel in the middle of the day. And I want to tell you something. It gets piping hot in Israel. 
It's no wonder Jesus walking on foot from Galilee, which is a bit of a jaunt, by the way, to go down to Jerusalem. It's no wonder he's tired by midday in 40 plus degrees Celsius. And it's no wonder he's thirsty. But it's interesting because this weariness and this thirst actually reveals to us that Jesus is, in fact, human. Just like you and I. And not only is that real to us as humanness, but the fact that this person had a regular conversation with this other person. Sometimes we think about God and we think God up there, me down here. We think God is unrelatable. God is God in his perfection and in his holiness and his awesomeness and his splendor and all those things. And I'm down here and I'm none of that stuff. I can't relate with that. Right? But here we have Jesus being a human being, having this back and forth dialogue as a real person with another real person. So Jesus' humanity is revealed not just in his weariness and his fatigue and his, the fact that he wanted something to drink, but in how he interacts with this woman, despite her story, despite her cultural difference, and despite the fact that Jesus was still exhausted. How many of you feel like having conversation with someone when you're weary and thirsty? Right? You're like, hold the phone. Let me have a nap first. Let me get a drink and I'll get braced up. Then I'll be ready for people. But Jesus has this interaction despite his fatigue. And so he's ministering to this woman, not out of strength and power, but out of fatigue and needs. He still has his own needs that have yet to be met. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually goes on to say that the needs of Jesus get met through actually ministering to other people. At the end of the passage, Jesus said he had food I know you, I know you not of. My food is due to the will of my Father in heaven. So Jesus ministers to this woman despite the fact that his needs aren't being met. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard to minister to other people when you yourself are needy, Right? When you've got your own needs that aren't met, like how many parents out there, right? How many of you know it's really hard when you get up first thing in the morning and you're trying to tend to the needs of these kids, but you don't feel fully braced up yet, right? Right? Okay, I'm just making sure you guys are, are, are awake out there. Like it's really hard to focus on the needs of other people when your needs aren't met first, but here we see the humanity of Jesus and he ministers to the needs of this person despite himself being needy. You know, Jesus loved on this person and showed compassion. And what's funny about this passage of Scripture, if you read through John chapter 4, verse 1 down through verse 30, nowhere in the Scripture does it say that Jesus actually eventually got his drink. Now, I know he's beside the well there. I know the lady dropped her jars, but the lady, I think, was so worked up and wanted to go tell people in the village, I, the scripture doesn't tell us that he actually got his drink. Now, he probably did, but he's still weary. He's still tired. He ministers to this woman in all of his humanity, and guess what's about to happen? The entire village is about to roll out to the well, and guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to minister to them, despite the fact he's weary from the travel, and despite the fact he probably still hasn't had his lunch. Right? So Jesus ministers even though he was 
fully human. And that's what the scripture teaches about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And he had human limitations, just like you and I do. Jesus was fully human, but he was also full of grace and truth. Now, this is a tricky encounter that Jesus has. Like, we don't, it's hard for us reading that at face value because we don't have all the background or the context. Like, Jews were not supposed to hang around with Samaritans, okay? It was like a no-no. It's like if you were growing up, like, with the church, where I grew up, you weren't supposed to go to someone else's church. You're supposed to go to your church and stay at your church. The other churches were weird, and they taught weird stuff. That's kind of like what's happening here is like, this was a different people group. You weren't supposed to hang out with them. They could make you unclean. They teach you stuff that's not in line with the scriptures. And so Jesus' upbringing and all the Jewish upbringing was don't hang out with Samaritans. And don't hang out with the women. Especially alone, at a well, at midday. This was like a big, no, 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 don't do this. But here we have Jesus at this well with this woman with a crazy story. She would have been the people of the village. They were having yarns at the city gate saying, mm-hmm, this lady, you know what? They would have talked about her. She had community shame covered over her because of her actions. And despite all that, Jesus is there. Despite the risk of scandal and how his fellow disciples would interpret it on their way in, Jesus was there to show the grace of Jesus because Jesus was full of grace. Despite the fact that this woman has a crazy backstory, Jesus is there. And, and, and grace, gives, grace gives time, talent, and treasure to people that maybe don't deserve it. Jesus took time on a hot day to give time and effort and energy to this woman. She could have just, he could have just ignored her. Say, nope, turn my back. That's what the woman actually would have expected. The woman would expect it to be totally ignored and not spoken to. Matter of fact, the woman probably expected this man to walk away. A Samaritan woman? Really? But Jesus gave this woman his gracious time. He also gave this woman his talent. Jesus gives what the scripture describes to us called a word of knowledge. It's a miraculous word when God gives the ability to some person by the Holy Spirit to know something about an individual that is miraculous in nature. Like how on earth would Jesus have known that this woman had had five husbands and the person that she was now with was not her husband? He hadn't been to the village yet. He didn't hear all the gossip. That was a supernatural, miraculous word of knowledge that God had enabled, the Spirit of God had enabled Jesus in order to minister to this woman's brokenness. Jesus graciously gives this word to this woman to help unlock ministry to this woman. And then finally, Jesus offers graciously this woman treasure the treasure of living water, the opportunity to never thirst again from her soul. Jesus kind of breaks through all the 
all the garbage, all the stuff, and helps build a bridge back to her relationship with God. This woman feels not only cut off from her community, but she feels totally cut off from God. They weren't even allowed to go to Jerusalem, the place where they were supposed to worship. So they were worshiping on the Mount Gerizim. She even felt cut off from that because of the reputation that she had. Not only was she cut off from her community, but she felt totally cut off from God. And Jesus kind of blows that up. And Jesus builds this incredible bridge for her and saying, listen, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't even matter what you've done. It matters about your heart and whether you actually know who I am. Because Jesus said the way to worship me is not based on a place, but it's about worshiping me in spirit from your heart and for who I truly am. Not just an idea, not just a Jesus that you make up in your own mind, but who I truly am. A Jesus that was fully God and fully man. A Jesus that was filled with both grace and truth. And Jesus had love enough for this woman to actually reveal to her her current reality and brokenness. Jesus didn't shy away from that. He wasn't just filled with grace. He was full of truth. Jesus cares about this person's well-being enough that he's willing to say, you've had five husbands, and the person you're with now is not your husband. Whew. Can you imagine being that woman in that moment? How would you feel? Just think about that for a second. How would you feel being that woman, and all of a sudden, this dude, who you don't know from a hole in the ground, calls you out and tells you basically your whole life story. How would you feel? Poof. He knows everything about me. I'm, I'm undone. Like, what else can I really say? This person sees everything. That's why the woman says, I see that you're a prophet. A prophet who kind of knows her whole story. And this woman who's been kind of looking for different things. Like, what on earth is she looking for? This is true, like that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. That's exactly what her story is. But Jesus doesn't shy away from telling the truth to help unlock ministry to this woman. You know, he was indeed a prophet. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, when a prophet would show up in town, everyone would kind of be afraid. Like when Samuel rolled into town to anoint David, all the people were like freaking out. They're like, what are you doing here? Because prophets had the ability from God to see into people's lives. And Jesus, who was indeed a prophet, who was indeed God, sees everything. And he saw this woman's story for all that it was. Yes, Jesus was full of grace, but do you know that Jesus sees your whole life? He sees it all. That's a scary thought for some of us. But Jesus sees our whole lives. And he's not afraid to actually, in love, speak the truth to us about our own lives and our own condition. That's the part of Jesus that often we reject. I like the Jesus full of grace, but I don't really care for the Jesus that's full of truth that is willing to, like, uncover stuff in my life that is not right. Are you with me tonight? And so what culture does is says, 
I'll take the Jesus full of grace that loves me just the way that I am. But I don't want the Jesus that loves me too much to change the way that I am. And so we accept the Jesus full of grace, but we don't accept the Jesus full of truth. And what we actually do, we don't accept Jesus at all because that's not who Jesus is. If we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, we got to take the whole package. Otherwise, we're actually rejecting Jesus. It's not really who he is. We don't get to just do a piece of him. It's the whole thing. Who is Jesus? He's full of grace and he's full of truth. Tim Keller said it this way, truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. You see, it's the grace of Jesus that's the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine of God's truth go down. Let me say that again. It's the grace of Jesus that's the medicine, the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine of God's truth go down. If you have only grace, you might sense God's love, but you're walking in deceiving yourselves. You think that everything's okay with what I do in my life. And actually, it's robbing you of the life that God has for you. If you think that Jesus is only truth, then, I mean, you might know that things in your life are wrong, and you might feel like this woman or like Peter did when he first had an encounter with Jesus and realized you're in perfection of God's perfection, but you constantly feel this distance from God. And so maybe you're even a Christian, but you feel this distance from God, and it leads to you just legalistically following God. You don't sense his love. You don't sense his affirmation on your life. You don't sense his care and compassion. You follow God out of duty and obligation because you know it's the right thing to do. You know that you're imperfect and that he's perfect, and so I should do that. But there's no sense of care. There's no sense of the Father's heart. There's no sense of compassion. Because you've just adopted the truth of Jesus without the grace. And the truth is that Jesus is both. He's full of grace, and he's also full of truth. So Jesus was fully human. He was also full of both grace and truth. And it's full. Like, Jesus isn't partially those things. He isn't partially grace and partially truth. He isn't partially human and partially God. He's full. And out of his fullness, he offers us this living water that will make us never thirst again. Verse 14 says this, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Every single one of us in this room have an inside thirst. We have this longing, like this woman did, for something more. And we all go looking for it in different places, and we come up empty. Whether it's money, whether it's work, whether it's in a relationship, all of us go looking to have this thirst satisfied, and there's only one who can There's only one who has the ability, who has the fullness, who has the riches to actually meet the needs of our soul. And his name is Jesus. And he offers this woman what she has been longing for, this living water, this well 
This relationship with God that she feels like she's been cut off from. You see, when you are restored to a right relationship with God, you have full access to the well of God. In the well of God is this amazing relationship that you and I are invited into because of Jesus. And we can go to the Father again and 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 every single day The deepest needs of our soul can be met. That living water that we need to quench the thirst is available to us because of Jesus. He offers us this living water. Aren't you thankful tonight? That we're not alone. That we're not cut off. We don't have to go through this life spiritually dehydrated and longing for thirst. Because we got it. The water that my spirit and your spirit needs is available because of Jesus. He is the source, and out of his fullness, he invites us into this relationship with him. Don't go around thirsty. Believe in who Jesus really is, but you've got to drink not just the grace, you've got to drink the truth. You've got to believe in both Jesus' humanity, but also That he's a God that sees your entire life. The Bible says that everything is exposed before him in whom we must give an account. He knows everything about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And guess what? He still loves you. And he's full of grace for you. And he has an amazing plan for your life. And he's made a way for you to have access to this relationship with God. So the needs of your soul every day single day, every single hour, every single minute, and every single second can be met. And actually, it's the only thing that can. So what you think about Jesus is one of the most important things about you. So in the same way that Jesus said to his disciples when they were wrestling with this question, I want to put before you tonight. Who do you say that I am? Not just what you know you're supposed to say. Not just what you know the Bible has to say. But from your heart and your mind, who is Jesus to you? Because I'm here to tell you tonight that I think he wants to be so much more than what we're allowing him to be in our lives. So maybe it means for us tonight, we need to take a step closer. So I'll ask you one more time before we sing. Who do you say that I am? Father, draw us, God. Draw us to that place of of knowing you, Jesus. Of experiencing your presence. Of drinking from that living water. God, we are hungry and we are thirsty. Would you come and have your way in Jesus' name? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.